Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois, and we have got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about us. Who are we and why are we here? Um, we're, what is Illinois Extension and what platform exactly do we stand on? Um, so I cannot do this by myself, folks. We are going to be joined as always, every single week by our co-host, Katie Parker in Quincy, Illinois. Hello, Katie. Hey, Chris. How are things in Macomb today? It's bright, sunshiny, and freezing cold. Yes. How about <laughs> yourself in Quincy? It's about the same. Uh, I woke up this morning and there's some frost on the ground, so it's kind of like I thought we were past this, but it's going to surprise us yet again. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I moved all the plants inside last night and I guess it's just time for the plant shuffle inside, outside, inside, outside, and it will end when we stop getting cold like this. Right. I was going to say, are you bringing any snakes in with your plants this time oh. of year? <laughs> no, but I got a wolf spider probably the size of, oh my gosh, I don't like a, like a CD disc. Like oh my gosh. It, it was a massive spider. I lifted up one of the cell packs in the flat and right there, I mean, like that big mama wolf spider. So, yeah. Are you going to keep it as a pet? I should. I'll put it in there with the cockroaches and we'll see who see wins. See who wins. <laughs> yeah. Well, someone who I know just sent me a text of a, can I have your spider, uh, is horticulture educator Ken Johnson in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello. I don't think it's going to end too well for your cockroaches if you, you put your spider in with them. So you think mama wolf spider is going to just devour them all? all of them but <clears throat> you don't think the couple of them may not be too happy about it could yeah. team up against the wolf spider only one way to find out <laughs> with all of their non-insect weaponry the cockroaches have they that's the reason why i take them around to uh these schools and such we actually just did this last week we went to an after school program uh and the kids held the the hissing cockroaches and this one girl she said it wasn't, do they bite? Do they sting? Which is the normal question. The question was, can I hold them? And we have a picture of her holding three <laughs> Madagascar hissing cockroaches. You know, they're like the size, they're like uh, two inches long. So she, it was great. So uh, Katie and Ken, we have been doing this podcast for two years now. And we have talked about everything under the sun that grows and flies and creeps and crawls. Um, but you know what we've never talked about extension. We've never talked about us, like the organization of which we are, um, the folks that cut us a paycheck, uh, every so often, I think once every few years, um, they let us get paid. So, um, uh, Katie, Ken, I have the pleasure of introducing, um, I don't know what, how do, how do we, how do we introduce the, uh, the voice, the soul, um, the heart of Extension, um, our marketing director, Judy Bingham. Judy, welcome to the show. It is a joy to be here with one of my favorite Extension teams on the planet, and that is the Good Growing team. I am honored to be here and to, to participate. I am a little discouraged that you haven't talked about Extension yet, but we are going to make up for that today. Um, thanks for inviting me. Well, we are so happy to have you here today. And um, why I, I just, I love listening uh, to the sessions that you present. You give us so much great information. 
And, and one of those reasons is because you have been an extension for a, a, a majority of your career. And yeah, yeah, I, Judy, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself? So every day I tell and live authentic stories so that people feel connected and supported and empowered. I may tell that extension story when I write a press release or I edit somebody's blog, not that any of you need editing, Ken, but um, when I do that, I tell the extension story. I tell the extension story when I support staff to become better at telling their own story. I tell the extension story when I create content for the website, and I tell the extension story when I represent the organization at um, campus or at or, uh, partner meetings. Um, every day, I get to tell the extension story. Extension really bookmarks my professional career. I, I'm almost afraid to say this number out loud, but in 1983, I started directly out of college um, from the University of Illinois with an ag communications degree. And I was at then we were called youth advisor. I was the youth advisor in White County and stayed in that role for seven years, empowering young people, but at 22 learning myself what it meant to be an empowered professional and what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I had great support and mentors who helped me along that journey. And I am forever grateful for those formative years where I really began to understand what extension was and why it mattered to the world. Um, I then left and for 10 years published, believe it or not, Angus Cattle Breed Publications. So the Angus Topics and the Illinois Angus News, and then came back to a communication role at the local newspaper where I wrote, uh, was reporter for a daily newspaper. Now, nothing tells you, teaches you how to write quickly, not always well, but to write quickly than a daily newspaper. And so I spent some years there, became an inspirational blogger before I returned to Extension in 2002. In the reorg, I had great fortune to spend a couple years in the counties of Effingham, Fayette, Jasper, and Clay, where I was youth educator, and then made my way to the state 4-H office, where I could be that voice of Illinois 4-H and tell the stories, powerful, powerful stories for Illinois 4-H. To this day, I enjoy those times and young people who come up to me and say, you took my picture or you were at that thing I did. It's uh, truly a, a, a great part of my professional career. Then March 1st of 2020, I transitioned to the state extension office 10 days before everybody went home and the world changed. And those of you who may know Jody Johnson, County Director down in the deep South of Illinois, he said, you know, I just have to believe you were meant to be there at a time when the organization needed additional capacity to do the things that we were being asked to do. So that's my professional journey. Um, I, I come to work every day enjoying what I do, but mainly because I enjoy the people that I do it with. You know, Judy, I have I enjoy every time you send out an email because you give these amazing like five minute weekly tips um, whether it's about writing, 
uh, creating some type of online content, uh, best practices for all that. But you always seem to start something out with a little, like a, maybe a, a short real life statement or even a story. You're a really accomplished writer. You're very talented at that. Is there something that you have written that in the past that you're just like, that's it? Like, th is there any favorite thing that you've written, extension or otherwise? Well, I think, um, you know, in college, I had a professor who told me we should strive to be refrigerator, refrigerator journalists. We should either write something so inspirational or so educational that people at that time clipped it out and stuck it on their refrigerator. So I think about that as I write, you know, is this inspiring somebody to, to be more, to do more, or is it helping someone get to a better place in their life? One of the things uh, when I was writing a weekly column for the the newspaper, a woman came and said to me, and remember Karma is a little town of 5,000, so everybody knows everybody. A woman came up and she said, this column that you wrote, I take it out and I read it before every chemo treatment I have. Now, it touched me so because people would often say, oh, you wrote that column just for me. You wrote that story just for me. And I wanted to tell them I wrote that for me because words are healing and words are um, empowering. And I needed that at that time in my life. What I learned was the journeys that I was going through, I was not alone. Those words helped me connect with people in such a way that I didn't have to face life by myself. And I, I try in my writings to, to put myself in that position. You know, one of the staff recently said, I so appreciate that you admit that you didn't always know it all, that you talk about the times that you've had a misstep, or you talk about the times where you used a, wrong, a word incorrectly, or you didn't put commas in the right place. And she says, it reassures me that I'm doing okay. And I think really, if I can, if that's the role I play in extension, Chris, to make you feel like you're doing okay and that you're at the place where you should be, it's never a goal of perfection. It's always a goal to be the best you can with the knowledge that you have. And so for me, I, I want to be a refrigerator journalist to this day. I'll tell you a story because I do that, right? My daughter was about 12 when we were visiting uh, one of the little town festivals in North City, of all places, and she ran into her friend's grandmother's house and ran out and she said, Mom, you're on her refrigerator. This woman had cut out one of the inspirational columns that I had written, written and had it on her refrigerator. So, you know, after that point, I figured out, you know, I made my mark in life. I had become that refrigerator journalist. And so every day, that's what I strive to do. If I had to pick a favorite story, if I had to pick a favorite, it would be the story of Josiah. So Josiah won the state um, uh, shooting contest a few years back and his life changed but his life didn't change from winning the contest. His life changed from one single year in 4-H because you see Josiah was a young man with high functioning autism. And until his involvement with 4-H, Josiah didn't speak to anyone. 
except his family. And as I took them through Josiah's journey and talked about that, you could see the impact that this young man had on the coaches, the other participants, to, and his parents. His mother told me about a time where um, he had gotten so comfortable speaking to people that he led a workshop on blacksmithing, of all things, another 4-H project. And he said, turned to the kids and said, go ahead, ask me anything you want. Now, Josiah would never have done that before 4-H. It's truly life-changing. And that's what we do every day in Extension. We change lives. It may not be a Josiah story. It may be simply um, saving a tree that was planted in memorial to a loved one. It may be helping a, a woman become, um, you know, refine her skills for a job interview. Whatever that is that we do, it's life-changing for them. I, I'm just the lucky person who gets to tell those stories. So now, Judy, we're going to start off some with, or start off with some of the questions that we have for you. Um, so with our first question, can you tell us about the beginning of, of Extension and how it all started? Um, my favorite topic in the whole world. Uh, I feel like there's not a lot of, of people in Extension left who maybe, uh, I don't want to say heard that story originally, but have uh, have that background to really be able to look and understand that beginning and to understand that we are still doing the journey that we started with. So we say that extension was created in 1914 with the Smith-Lever Act, but really extension types of work were begun in the mid 1800s, early 1800s as, um, as farmers were encouraged through a publication called the American Farmer, they were encouraged to record their, 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 their methods, record their accomplishments, and that really is led to many of the acts that would follow. So in 1862, Lincoln created the Morrill Act, and that created the land-grant universities. Now, the land-grant universities were responsible for making sure that knowledge was available to everyone throughout the country, that there was not a, a, an accessibility issue, that anyone had the right to learn. And so the 1862 uh, Morrill Act was then later followed up in 1890 and eight, uh, 1994 with similar acts that made sure that we were including Black Americans and Native peoples in that access to more knowledge. The research arm came in later in 1887, and that was the Hatch Act, which really did empower the university to start creating research farms and making sure that that research focused on agricultural problems. Remember in, 19, in the 1900s, early 1900s, 50% of the world were farmer, farmers. So it, it wasn't that that focus was out of line, that's what people did. Then in 1914, the Smith-Lever Act was created and that created extension formally and it tied USDA to the land-grant colleges. So the extension, the land-grant system is really that three-pronged approach. It's education, it's research, and it's extension. Um, and that remains to this day. So extension as we know it started 100 years ago. Has the 
the goal or the mission of extension changed over those hundred years? So I brought this book. I don't, you can't see it probably. I brought this book. It's called Cooperative Extension Work and was written in 1949. And it says this at the beginning, extension work is an out of school system of education in which young, which adults and young people learn by doing. It's a partnership between government, the land grant colleges and the people which provides service and education designed to meet the needs of the people. And it says this, Ken, its fundamental objective is the development of people. Now, as I think about what you do every day and what Chris does and what Katie does and what I do every day, it's all about the development of people. I think how we do that and the tools we use to address those changes may have changed, but fundamentally, we're all about the development of people, their families, their businesses, their communities. That's extension. And that remains our goal to translate the research of the university into practical, applicable solutions to the problems that people have. You know, um, extension is a model that I think is, um, it has stood the test of time. When you think about that, uh, extension staff live and work in the community they serve. So they are best suited to understand and relate to the problems that local people have. That's why extension is in every county of the state. That's why we're in all communities so that everyone has the benefit and that local people are involved in the administration of the extension service activities and education and really do guide the education that happens in local offices. Well, Judy, you really are a pro because you are leading me right into the next question. <laughs> <laughs> so in light of extension being out in the field, because um, that's what they kind of call, they call us that, they call us field staff. We're out in the field, we're out in the, slogging it out in the trenches, but we're in the communities, we're working face-to-face -face with community members. Then something happened two years ago in 2020. Uh, the pandemic began, changed everything. Um, what, I guess the question, I'll start with this question. What was that change like from your perspective as someone who is helping to manage uh, this, this massive organization and be that, that voice? But also, I mean, how did we, I guess, how did we do? <laughs> you know, did we have success? Did we do well? What happened? So tell me from your perspective, uh, uh, how, uh, what was that shift like? Well, um, I could use your team as an example, right? In that, um, you could, we could take a snapshot of where you are now and where you were then. And I guess I'll ask you, where do you feel you are now? Oh boy, that was a rough couple first episodes. I don't know, Ken, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> right? It was, um, we learned so much. Mm -hmm. And and what's, um, I, I always say that we built systems while we were using them right? We immediately sent 700 people home. 700 people mm -hmm. went home, had to, to learn, shout out to the 
to the IT and the web departments, right? Because um, I happen to have a son in that area of extension, as many know. And, you know, we were really calling people on their phone, helping them connect, helping them make sure they could get to the internet of their home on their work computer, helping them um, learn how to use Zoom, helping them get a camera. I mean, one of the challenges that we found early on was, um, suddenly you could no longer get a webcam. <laughs> there was immediate need. So the supply chain of having the things we needed, but what is great about extension is that we find a way. I used to say to one of the, the, the previous communication director, it's just like, well, why did they did that, do that? And I said, because extension finds a way. We either provide that for them or they're gonna figure it out on their own. So I think that we we started doing that. I can imagine there was panic a little bit. If you were to say, boy, I had 10 meetings planned in person next week, what do I do? There was a little bit of that, that um, boy, I'm, I'm not sure. One, because you're so dedicated that you know people still needed that information. So how were you going to get to it? I think that uh, one thing that that a crisis does is it shows you where your gaps are, and it shows you them really quickly. You can um, you can get along with something a system that's not quite working um, on a good day, on a tough day. Those really do show and uh, begin to show the cracks in the foundation. So from our point of view as a communication team, we realized that suddenly many, many more people needed help because um, they were no longer doing it just in their own offices. Because you all, I'll blame y'all, because you started broadcasting to the world, suddenly now we weren't just marketing to Macomb. We were marketing to the country. And because we were doing that, we had to up our game at the state communications office. We had to make sure that you had marketing resources. We had to make sure we were sharing that more broadly than we had ever done before. Now, you can attest that sometimes that got ugly and messy, but it also required us to be really genius and to, to find the way through. Remember what we said at, said at the beginning is that um, extension created was created because of a situation. The situation in the 1914s was that ag technology was changing so much that people needed to learn new ways to do the things they'd been doing before. They needed to learn how to use agricultural equipment. They needed to learn how to better can food or to, to provide more nutritious meals or to grow gardens during uh, World War II, right? It was a situation that, that required a response. And if there's one thing extension is good at, it's re responding to a situation. So we, um, we did that. And again, maybe a little, um, we took a, a little bit to get our feet under us, but when we did, I think we saw immediate response in being able to transition from in-person to online. Now, if I turn that around and, and put it to you, 
how did you all feel when that happened? Um, Ken, uh, how, how was it the first couple of weeks with those three young kids running around the house? Three kids and sharing an office with my wife was, was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a conversation of, well, what should we do? <laughs> I recall the calendar had a lot of crossouts and a lot of that. And it felt like you said, Judy, it, 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 it did feel heavy on the heart because you knew like we uh, we weren't abandoning but we had to stop programming because we really had no idea what was happening outside of the walls of our home and so we had to stop a lot of things we had to get a lot of people on board with some modern technology uh, a lot of our in-person committees that would meet for breakfast now are we're meeting on zoom and we had to transition that we had to teach them how to utilize that technology, how to create accounts and do all that. Uh, I know the communications team created walkthroughs and, and all kinds of details about how do you do a Zoom account? What is Zoom etiquette? <laughs> it's yes. a whole other thing. So, sure. I, and, and the, so it's interesting, we were doing a lot of these modern day flexes, but also Hort Local Foods and a lot of our commercial ag, we we're going back to those old things of how to grow a garden, how to preserve food, how to make bread when you don't have yeast and all, all that kind of stuff. It was, um, it was an in, just a very interesting time. And what I found, so if you were to say to me, what did it show? It showed that we didn't abandon people. We, we found a new way of providing maybe not the programs we had been doing, but programs they needed in that moment. And that's what Extension is so good at, is analyzing the situation around and providing just-in-time training for what was needed at that moment. So at first, we began to help people understand technology that benefited not only when they attended Extension programs, it benefited their kids at school and it benefited um, benefit their work. So we were still empowering people even by that, that simple way of helping them become connected to us and the world in a new way. And so um, those were the little things that I think we, we didn't think about. We did them and we didn't measure them. And yet they were so vital to be, to be able to, to handle what came next. And I think in extension, we're always looking for what comes next. Um, so let me tell you a little bit of, of what last year brought, if that's okay. Um, last year, I have all these numbers in front of me. I'm gonna have to look at them. So last year we averaged 300 and now this was a full year of COVID, right? Full year for the first, you know, 2020 was a little bit of in-person and then a lot of COVID. 2021, we, we, were, we were always COVID. We still averaged 335 educational sessions a week statewide, a week. We are still, we, are, we were in 565 communities, um, and that's more than 17,500 educational sessions for the year in a year when many people stopped. We didn't. We just did it differently. We, you all, provided as um, 
extension educators, you provided more than 12,000 expert responses when people um, called in with a question. So that one-on-one -on -one engagement from you all was 12,000 with the help of master gardeners and master naturalists, including our relationship with the Chicago Botanical Garden, um, volunteers responded to 83,000 help ticket uh, help requests to the to the help desks around the state. Um, we, I say we, like I had anything to do with it, but the extension educators and online curriculum specialists immediately turned over and created 84 online courses, 84 online courses that provided certifications, um, required requirements from Illinois Department of, of Ag or other coursework that needed to be done. Last year, they were 14,500 course users across those 84 online courses. And then a little bit closer to my world, we had 8 million visitors to the Extension website, and that equated to 12 million page views just on the main system itself, and 3 million Facebook impressions. So we found a way. Mm -hmm. We continued to help people live better lives. We just did a little differently than we had. I, I think... Ken, Katie, we, we are insane, correct? Because our calendars became empty. And then we just like, let's do a blog post every day. <laughs> let's do a podcast every week. Let's do a webinar every month. You know, we were, I, we must be insane. We just must, must have to do this. I don't know. How else can you explain or, it? Or perhaps you're driven for, for what makes up an extension staff member. And that is you have information that will help people's lives. I am so glad that you didn't just sit back and that you cho chose to really share what you know with other people. Proud of you. Thanks. We're still working on that book and, you know, a calendar. We have lots of things in the works still. Yeah. So, yeah. And somehow that always means work for me, but that's okay. You're going to get that email soon. We can <laughs> use another pandemic so we can get some of this stuff done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So going forward, um, what do you see for us with extension? What does our future hold now that um, we're kind of shifting gears back into an, a normal environment? Um, so I, I, I think that Todd at farm, so farm broadcaster Todd Gleason, many of you know, and you may have had Todd on the program before. If not, boy, that would be a fun one. Um, but Todd once told me, Extension does the job until someone else can do it. And I want you to think about that quote for just a minute and think about over the, over the history you've had with Extension. There have been things we did or roles we served for society that transitioned once we were able to train other people to do those tasks um, on their own or on behalf of other people. And I do see that 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 continues to be our role in, in really doing the work. And almost some people would say, well, aren't you working yourself out of a job then? I mean, if you're always continually training someone to take over that, you know, won't you eventually get to the point where that work is all done? And I, I, I think we always know that there's something new 
there's something new that comes up that requires the expertise or the skill or the connections that extension has. So a couple of days ago, I met with um, Travis Burke and Talon Becker and on, on the regenerative agricult agriculture and what extensions response and, and beliefs will be related to regenerative agriculture. You know, Dr. McCaffrey is working with Dr. Tehran on, on our assistance with vaccinations across the state, not just COVID vaccinations, but vaccinations period and the science behind keeping everyone healthy. That would be something that two years ago, we wouldn't have even thought we were working on, right? It, it wasn't in, it wasn't, if you go to the thing and says, let's look at all the extension programs. Oh, there's one on vaccination. It didn't exist. And so those things will always continue to emerge. I think that we're going to continue to work hard at, you know, the, the five grand challenges that extension has identified. Uh, the first would be supporting strong and resilient youth, families, and communities. So community economy is growing, uh, really growing a prosperous economy. We wanna make sure that in the environment area that we're um, sustaining the natural resources in both private and in uh, public spaces. Food, maintain, I see I have to read them just to make sure I get that, don't forget one. Maintain a, a, a safe, an accessible food supply, and then maximize health um, for all people. So when I look at that list and I say, you know, have we met that yet? You know, we have a lot of work to do in all of those areas. And so our importance and our role and our value to society only continues to grow as we look at the new challenges that are facing us. So speaking of working hard, <clears throat> Judy, you're always working hard and seems like you're always available and even at odd hours, sometimes I get on at nine, 10 o'clock at night and see you on <laughs> for some yeah. reason. <laughs> I don't what, know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your motivation um, for, I guess, for, for your career? Um, so believe me when I say that you are you in the field, right, are the face of extension. You have the hard jobs, the, the responding to the daily questions that walk in that you're never going to quite know. When I was in White County, we would have an, a woman, an older woman, who would call weekly, and she'd tell us the ingredients she had in her cabinet, and she would say, what can I make? You know, her role was to her sister worked outside the home and her job was to prepare the meals each day. And, you know, we used to wonder, like, can we just get her a cookbook? Like, maybe that's what, what would help her. And then we realized that it was more than just providing her the answer. It was providing her the friendship and the, the opportunity to speak to another person. Sometimes our, our role is, is to just be that comforting voice on the other end of the line. And in many ways, that's how I see my role with y'all is that I'm there to encourage you, to support you. Um, for the most part, most of you do something else as your day job. And marketing is this other thing you have to do to be successful in your day job. I wanna make sure that you can do it quickly and accurately 
um, without a lot of fuss so that you can get to the really important part of your work. And that's changing people's lives every day. So that's what, that, that's what I would encourage for you is, is to know that you have someone who has your back. And if that means it's a 10 o'clock call, then that means it's a 10 o'clock call. But I, um, I don't think it's a lie for me to tell, I mean, I truly enjoy my job and the work that I do. Um, I'm going to pull it up and maybe, I don't know, Chris, maybe you don't want this out there and you can cut it out later on if you want. But um, I, I'm such a sucker. I truly believe in the extension workers creed. And so I did go dig it up. And, and if you don't care, if I read that, I just, um, it says it. this, it yes. was, it was written in 1922. Uh, no, I was not alive, but in 1922, it says, <laughs> I believe in people and their hopes and their aspirations and their faith and this is really important, in their right to make their own plans and arrive at their own decisions. It's not our place to tell them what to do. I say that all the time when people say, well, they should be following this practice. No, we tell them about it. It's, we have to trust people that given enough information, they'll make the decision that's best for their family. We can't make that for them. It goes on in their own ability and power to enlarge their lives and to plan for the happiness of those they love. I believe in education of which extension is an essential part. It's basically in stimulating individual initiatives and self-determination and leadership that these are the keys to democracy. And the people when given facts they understand, oh, that's so important, given facts they understand, will act not only in their own self-interest, but also in the interests of society. I believe that education is a lifelong process and the greatest university is the home. And that my success as a teacher is proportional to those qualities of mind and spirit that give me welcome entrance to the homes of the families that I serve. Imagine if we didn't have that trust with the people that we serve that we were never invited in. Part of our role is to be that trusting um, face so that we can help people through. Um, I believe in intellectual freedom to search for and present the truth without bias and, without cur and, and with courteous tolerance toward the views of other people. I believe that extension is a link between the people and the ever-changing discoveries in the laboratory. I believe in the public institution, of which I am a part. Most importantly, I believe in my own work and in the opportunity I have to make my life useful to humanity. Because I believe these things, I am an extension professional. So imagine something written so long ago that still, as you sat and listened to it, you go, yeah, that's why I do that. Not for the, mon the money that comes every now and then, like you said, but for those reasons, because I believe those things, I am willing to take Ken's call at 10 o'clock at night. You're right, it rings so true right now. Yeah, I. that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. So that, 
<sighs> Judy, um, if we could, if there's some one thing we could boil that down, there's one thing that you could tell Illinois. Uh, you have a loudspeaker right now. You're going to boil this all down. You're going to tell all of Illinois one thing about extension. What would you tell them? I would tell them that they are extension, right? They're, we are them. Their dollars support our work and they have a voice in that. I, I would tell them that they're not alone, that together we're gonna create a world that we all wanna live. And that means opportunities for all people. I think that we have, have gotten a bad rap, so to say, that we're only for farm people or that we're an outdated organization or that we don't serve all people. And I think that, um, that I would love for that narrative to change while I'm still on the job. I want to not be that secret that people don't know about. I want us to be Illinois Extension. And I want that to, to mean that, you know, someone, Someone wrote an email into the state extension and she, and she said, I'm to understand this is where I get the answers to my problems. I want people to know that extension has solutions to the problems they're facing. So Judy, do you have a, a 30 second elevator speech that you give people about extension? So I know that you know, it's funny because when I started today's program, I, I introduced myself. I never give my job title. A job is, um, that's a, a label that doesn't matter, often doesn't apply to what's going on. But part of my elevator speech is what, for me personally, is what I started with. And that is every day I live and tell authentic stories so that people feel connected and supported and empowered. And so I would like an extension story to that same, that same kind of elevator speech. We work to build a world together where people feel connected and supported and empowered. And we do that by bringing research-based solutions to people for them to make decisions that are best for their families. I think that that aligns with whatever program area you serve, whatever topic you're addressing, you provide solutions that allow people to choose how they want to improve the lives of their families. If I were in charge of the world, that's what our elevator speech would be. Well, Judy, so you're I have utilized some words that you have given me at, uh, I think it was an annual conference a few years ago. Uh, the next day I was on a radio show and someone asked me, what's extension? And I used the words that you said that day, which is what you just said, but it's been modified and I think enhanced a bit. But what I said in that moment was we use research-based unbiased information to help you live your best life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's who we are. And that really resounded with the um, radio host um, in the moment. And we had a nice conversation about that. So um, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that when, if we've got five minutes, let me, let me tell this story then. I love telling stories, you know that. Um, but maybe a couple of you sat in on my presentation on 
why not what. So I'm really big on Simon Sinek who, who provides marketing education and he's really big on um, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. You know, there was a day when just because Sears sold it, people would buy it. People don't do that anymore. People are motivated by the organization and why your beliefs and dreams before they become a partner with you. People like to be with people where they feel like they belong, even in their purchasing decisions. And so we have to tell people what we believe in order for them to feel comfortable and belong to, to, to the goals that we have. But Extension is really good about talking about their what's. We talk about this workshop. We talk about this blog. We talk about this podcast. What, 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 what? Instead of focusing on our why, it's our why that, that really does build loyalty. If we want to hope to reach those people who may not know what Extension is, we have to begin to talk about our shared places, the places where we um, where we all can grow and believe. So the problem if we talk about our watts is that what happens when your watts go away? QN 2020, our watt, like how we delivered that education changed suddenly. So I wanna tell you about a story. Ken, it's in your neck of the woods. Um, the young, young 4-H uh, alum was Jenna Wheeler from Morgan County. Do you know Jenna and her family? I heard of her. Yeah, yeah. I don't know her personally. Yeah. But. Well, they were sitting there with a barn full of show hogs and, um, and sheep and trying to decide whether when COVID hit, not knowing what was going to happen next, trying to decide do we sell now and cut our losses or what do we do? And the, the kids were all talking about it as a family. And um, she said, her dad got quiet and said, with tears in his eyes, right? I'll feed these pigs as long as I need to. If it means I get to go to the barn and do chores every night with my kids. Now, that's talking about the why of taking 4-H animal projects versus the what of the show ring. This family understood that, yeah, we get to go to the show ring, we get to show, we might get prize money, but what mattered in that process was not how we, the end product of what we did, it was why they were doing it. And she said something that really, could apply to all of extension. And she says, I'd love to show pigs this summer, but I might not get to, and that's okay. One day you're gonna age out and close your show box for the last time. And I promise it's not the banners or the shows you'll miss. It's doing chores with your dad. And I think as we began to change the narrative of how we talk about extension, and we began to tell the stories of people's lives who are changed because of what you, Ken, and you, Chris, and you, Katie, do every day, then we will no longer get that what is extension. But people will understand what we're cheering for. 
what we hope the world to be that we live in. So I guess I'll turn that around and ask each of you, what does the world you want to live in look like? I have to think about this one. Katie, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a tricky question. Uh, I feel like as a kid, things were much more simpler because we didn't have the technology and um, the social media that we had or that we have today. And I think that that can cause a lot of issues in our lives. But I also think that technology is important because um, it gets us where we are today and it brings us a lot of new avenues that we can um, improve practices with. So like I said, I think that's a tricky situation or but a tricky what, question. Congratulations for talking all around an answer there. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about, um, so if, um, I guess another way we could ask, answer this is, is what matters? to you what matters i don't know ken what what matters to you ken i don't know i know there's any homework <laughs> <laughs> well i think that as you as you think ken do, or chris do you have your answer to that i think the um there are personal matters and there's professional matters uh, they do tie into each other sometimes, but the personal matters is making sure that um, my children have a, a, a stable place, community, environment, all of those things for them to grow up into. Um, this job can play into that role. I would say also... Ken, Katie, I, we, we all live in rural-ish communities, and so we want to see those communities succeed. We live in these communities, and I think that's the, the benefit of extension. Um, we're working hard alongside uh, the residents here to try to get them the things that they need to succeed and for our communities to thrive. So that's what I want. That's, that's what matters to me. Ken's going to go ahead and say ditto. I can see yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd echo a lot of what he said. I mean, I've got three kids, so I guess <clears throat> I get a world where they can, you know, find their, their thing, their niche, carve out their role um, for their lives and stuff, so. But if it's insects, you'll be really happy. <laughs> Bonus points if they do. <laughs> Well, I think that we all, as, as we, it's nice about extension as you have young families is that I was able to raise my children while doing my job. My children mm -hmm. came to 4-H activities and participated and they could go along with me to a, a meeting if they were sitting in the corner and had to do homework or something. And so um, it is hard work, but it is so rewarding. And I I, we have several positions opened right open right now in extension. Mm -hmm. And if someone's listening to this and they they've been motivated or inspired 
to do this kind of life work, I would really encourage that they go to the Jobs at Illinois website and look for extension, put, you know, put that in the search term to be able to really come join a team who's dedicated to creating a world that we all want to live in. Mm -hmm. We can leave a link to that website posting where they post all their jobs for Illinois Extension in the show notes below. Well, ladies and gentlemen, now you know who we are. You know the ground that we stand on and why we do this podcast every single week. So Judy Bingham, um, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, We're going to have to have you back to ask some more kind of introspective questions of the team and we'll, we'll, we're going to flesh some things out. This is going to become maybe a monthly therapy session for all three of us. So uh, I, I won't charge you much at all. Okay. All right. I'll give you my health insurance. So. <laughs> you might change your mind after the first few. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good grind podcast is produced by Wendy Ferguson and edited this week by Katie Parker. Thank you, Katie. Uh, and of course we can't do this without our co-host with us every single week, Katie and Ken. Thanks guys for being here. Yeah, thank you, Judy, for joining us and sharing your vision of extension. And Chris and Ken, it's always a pleasure to see you guys and work with you. Yes, thank you, Judy. Um, a lot of good information, lots of good refreshers there. Um, heard a lot of this stuff before, we kind of forget it. So it's nice to hear it again every once in a while. And Chris and Katie, thank you as always. Let's do this again sometime. Oh, we're going to do this again sometime. Ken's probably going to be back next week with a garden bite. But guess what? Katie, Ken, and I are going on the road to build caterpillar tunnels. We have got an interesting research project with Ginger this summer. And so I have roped these guys in. I've bribed them. I've lied to them. I've done all kinds of things to get them on board with this project. And so we're going to be growing some ginger this summer, folks. We'll talk about that on a show later on this year. So you will see us again here in the coming weeks. Well, listeners, thank you for doing what you do best. And that is listening. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, watching. And as always, keep on growing. 